0: Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. I'm moving through Matthew and uh, just going a few verses at a time, 10 or 5 or 20. Sometimes we lose track of where where we are. And uh, just to get the whole picture of Matthew in your mind is good so you know where it fits in. (laughs) And remember Matthew... It's writing about Jesus as king. He's writing to the Jewish people. So it's very Jewish orientated. And um, we saw at the start the king is revealed in chapter 1 to 9. We saw his person, his purpose and his power in those chapters there. And see as he introduces himself, as he goes into ministry, the, the Jewish people on Main will accept him. Um, but as he delivers the message, people start falling off, <laughs> dropping away. And the king then be- is resisted, and that's chapter 10 to 16. The resistance is foretold, it was felt, and it's focused. And then it was faced. And we've covered all these things, in, and that's a broader outline. Maybe I should get an outline together with the big picture, <laughs> so you can fit the little ones in there. And so as he's presented himself, as he's made his claims of who he is, then the resistance starts. And the religious people, that's where it's coming from, are resisting the Lord Jesus, resisting him for who he's claiming to be. He's claiming to be God. And they wouldn't have that. The religious people, no, no, it's not so. Then, thirdly, the main, third main point, or portion is 16 to 27 we're in the middle of that now and the king is rejected and we've been looking at the shadow of his rejection and there was private discussions and there's public disputes and that's where we're in the middle of the public disputes that are happening between him and the people that are so resisting him and the resistance was getting stronger and stronger it got to a point where he didn't present himself in jerusalem he said he wasn't and he came because of the, he knew it, it wasn't his time to die yet. And so he was being very careful to go through the, and fulfill all the things in the Old Testament that were written about him before they come and captured him, came and captured him. So the king <coughs> is being rejected, the shadow of his rejection, the private discussions, the public disputes. And we're in the middle of these and this is with the main four or three groups that we have resisting him the three groups and we've been looking at those Um, there was the Herodians we've already looked at the royalists we've called them they set a trap for him and this is publicly happening they are putting him on the spot now it's hard to be put on the spot and give an answer but the Lord was able to do that easily and uh, resist these who were resisting him. The royalist Herodians, they were for the government of the day and uh, they were rich people and they deceitfully asked him questions. And each one of these three groups in this chapter are uh, resisting him spiritually and his claims. We We saw last time the rationalists, the Sadducees, they set their trap and tried to argue him in front of everybody. That he wasn't who he claimed to be in chapter 22, verse 23 to 33. And he certainly put them, and the Sadducees were people that misinterpreted the scriptures, that didn't interpret it the way he would, that he would fulfill literally the Old Testament, and that there were miracles, uh, that there was eternity, there was a resurrection, all those things they denied. And um, in verse 33, The result was, and when the multitude heard it, they were astonished at his doctrine. Um, In another place, in Luke, speaking about the same occasion, the Pharisees said, well done. Because, you see, the Herodians and uh, the the Sadducees were against the Pharisees usually, but they got together. Enemies united to resist the Lord Jesus. (laughs) The devil got them together. And they were united in their front. But the, the, the Pharisees said, well done Lord you you really put them in their place didn't you (laughs) now it's their turn to be put in place and they got the best of their boys up didn't they in verse 34 down to forty-six, we see these religionists if we could call them that um, come up the Pharisees and set their trap and we read but when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence they were gathered together Well, we can do better than all those guys. (laughs) Then one of them, who was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like to it, Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them. Now it's his turn. <laughs> and he's going, to, he's going to make them say things they wish they'd never said. But just because of what they believed, they would say it. He knew that they would say it. He's, he's the sovereign God. Saying, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They said unto him, the son of David, of course. Don't you know that? They didn't <laughs> quite say that. He said unto them, how then doth David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I like the way the Lord did that to them. He put them in the there. And and before the crowd, the crowd, oh, yes. <laughs> Those that believed that Jesus was the Messiah, yes. <laughs> And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. If you've put a big front of all the biggest wigs in town, the religious people, up against him, and he is able to put them in their place, one after the other, without making one mistake, then they realized, no, no sense asking, because they were doing this publicly. Everybody was listening, and it put them to shame. They were humbled. And they didn't like that. This has made them really mad. They couldn't show that because they're religious, of course. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word that is before us tonight. Thank you that you, you asked these questions, these people asked you these questions, and you were able on every occasion to give the right answer, scriptural answer, without hesitation. And Lord, may we say, help us to be like that that we might be able to give an answer to every man, ask us a reason for the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. And bless the word of God tonight. And I pray, Lord, for those that cannot be here, that they would be blessed and ministered to tonight, wherever they be. And again, we bring Mr. and Mrs. Brunken before you and ask, Lord, for strength for each one to face the things that they're at this time facing. And Lord, be with those that are with them at this hour too. And Lord, speak to their hearts. We ask and pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Kay, the religionists. For, about, for a, a, a royalist, rationalist and religionist. And there were the other ones, the recordist. If I don't get to them, the recordists. Who were the ones that did all the recording? The scribes. Yeah, no, they were silent on this occasion. And they they would be siding with the Pharisees because that's who they linked up with. Now, who championed the cause of these religionists, these Pharisees? Well, you can't get better than a lawyer. (laughs) They're sharp with their mind and they're able to do things and think through things that that others can't. So let's call him to do this. Uh, The Pharisee's question concerning the commandments in verse 34 to 40 that we read, the question is asked in 34 and 36. Uh, what was the question? Which is the greatest commandment? <laughs> and we're glad that he, they asked that because we have it from the lips of the Lord. And uh, it was a loaded question because it was tempting the Lord. Um, <clears throat> Master, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And uh, it was a legal question, verse 36 as well. Attempting, they showed their motive, and uh, in the law, it showed their hair-splitting habits, arguing and debating for years about nothing, and this is what they did: the Pharisees and the and the um, scribes, which is the greatest. And so they were going to try to split hairs here to put him on the spot through this lawyer that asked the question. The question's answered; it's asked in 34 to 36. And then it's answered in thirty-seven to forty, and we've already read that answer. And the two greatest basics of the Old Testament statutes are given here. The supreme commandment comes first in thirty-seven and thirty-eight: "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind." Now, uh, somebody tell me or give me one of the commandments of the Old Testament, not this one. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. What is that based on? If we love God, we won't kill. And what's another one? Thou shalt not steal. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't do that either. And if you love God, you won't do it. So you see what the Lord is saying? Every law that's been given is based on this. Love God and love the people as it's given here. The first and the second. they are It's like unto us, unto each other. The supreme commandment, It's found from Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, chapter 10, verse 12, and 30, verse 6. A well-known and all-embracing commandment. Who has ever been able to keep these greatest of commandments? Who is the only one that's ever been able to keep these great commandments? The Lord Jesus himself. God in the flesh. He's the only one that's done this. The supplementary commandment, verse 39, as we've said, the second is like to it, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. Um, <clears throat> from this one grows the second, from the first one. The second one grows from the first one. The duty to God and man are summed up in one word, and it's love, love. That's what God is. God is love. Let's just turn to First John for a little bit. We could turn to the Gospel of John, or we could turn to 1 John. We go into 1 John, chapter 2 and verse 10. We read, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. There is no occasion of stumbling in him. Love the brother, the Christian brother. It's speaking of chapter 3 and verse 10. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doth not, Righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. It's an important commandment. It tells us in keeping this that we are of God or not of God. Um, Verse 11, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And verse 14 of John 3, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. You see, if you want to know if you're a Christian or not, do you love the brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ? Verse 16. By this perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whosoever hath this world's goods and sees his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him how dwelleth the love of God in him my little children let us not love in word neither in tongue but in deed and in truth and you can go on through First John there and find where this is practical. practically we are to love one another the two great basics of the Old Testament scriptures if we go back to Matthew 22 and verse 40 on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets that's a big statement Hang all the law and the prophets. Genesis, right through. What is missing? What is the only thing missing in that statement? Law and the prophets and the... starts with P, but it wasn't priests. Psalms, the poets, the poets. So Psalm, Job, those books there. So this is the Old Testament. Then he just said that. On this hang. And on this hangs the New Testament too. These are the two basic fundamental points. And the Lord Jesus said this. I didn't say it. And the scriptures tell us the same. The precepts of the law and the preaching of the prophets say in unison, love God. If we love God, we will keep his commandments. If we love God, we will not skew the scriptures. If we love God, we will want to obey these to the nth degree, not because a legal requirement, it's because we love God. We will want to keep the commandments of God. Um, We don't need lawyers to understand love. (laughs) I remember, I think it was Dad was in court, and there was things going back, and the judge says, this is the law. And of course, dad being dad, he said, well, what about grace? You don't know anything about grace? <laughs> and the old judge is there. He, he didn't have an idea, but <laughs> involved with uh, love, just it's people understand law, don't they? You know how our society hangs together? Because we're fearful of the policeman or of the lawman. And it shouldn't be that way we should do because we are Christians and love God you know whatever you do it all to the glory of God the basis of our Christian life should be in reality love we love God and so we keep his commandments and the commandments are in Romans 7 obey the government obey the laws that they've set down and when we're disobeying that we're disobeying God he's 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 that's the instructions he's given um <clears throat> there's a lot of things we could take connect and tie with and a lot of churches will just preach on love, but they also need to preach on the law that brings us to the point of knowing God, the God of love. Uh, that's our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Now, the Lord's question concerning the Christ is given in 41 to 45. We've seen the Pharisees' question concerning the commandments. Now, the Lord's question concerning the Christ the question concerning the pedigree of the Messiah, 41 and 42, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, and while they were all here together, he had an opportunity to say, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? Did they believe in the Messiah? They believed in the Messiah. Yes, they did. Uh, <clears throat> did they believe he's written about in the Old Testament? Yes, they did. Because what did they do? They quoted scripture. They said, He's the son of David. And the Lord Jesus uh, knew that they would say that because of their studies in scripture. So there's a question concerning his pedigree. He's a son of David. that He's of the kingly line. He's of the line of the tribe of Judah. And there will be, Shiloh will come and he'll sit on the throne. Um, <clears throat> so the question asked, the question, the answer to this question exposes, Every person, Old and New Testament, to what they believe and whether they're going to heaven or not. On this one, it's it. Whose son is he? He's the son of God, isn't he? And if you don't believe that, you're not going to heaven. And every religion or ism that doesn't confess that, they're not going to heaven. Let's turn to first back to first John again. Huh. First John Chapter two and verse twenty two this time. First John Chapter two, verse twenty two and twenty three. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? the Anointed One, the Messiah. He is an Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. So we need to be careful to only fellowship as Christians with those people that believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, you have people that say that. Yes, we believe that. But they deny the eternality of Christ. They deny that he has always existed and therefore you cannot fellowship with people who think and say that because they're not Christians you can have friendship with these people but you can't have fellowship in the true sense of the word can you then denieth the father and the son go to chapter 4 of 1st John and we read there B- beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world by this know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of, and of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God and is the spirit of Antichrist, of which ye have heard that it should come and even now is already in the world. <clears throat> and so the question asked there, and it exposes everybody, for who they believe in and whether they're believers, true believers or not. The question answered by them, by the Pharisees, well, he's the son of David, and the Lord had them snared. They said it before they thought about what he was doing, (laughs) because what followed, the Lord speaking in verse 43, the question concerning the priority of the Messiah is then spoken about. He said unto them, well, how then? David, in the spirit, inspiration of scripture, call him Lord, saying, in verse 44, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. The implication here, from a quote from Psalm 110, verse 1, The Lord's ancestor was David. And it was said, and the Jews looked forward to the Messiah coming through the line of David. Um, and that's all given in the Gospels, which is Matthew and um, Luke, is it not? To give the, the go right back in the history and trace it, his lineage back, to, and that's why those lineages are given so that we can say he is the Anointed One. And so, <clears throat> ancestor David confess Christ, deity. When uh, if you said that, you just told me. Why don't you confess me as the Messiah? I'm the son of David. <laughs> and so the implication is here, and they didn't get that, but they were red-faced as they thought through this. In verse 45, if David then call him Lord, how is he his son? Think through that for a bit. <laughs> the Lord brought up this seeming contradiction that Messiah was to be both David's son and David's Lord. No man calls his son Lord. That's what he's saying to these people. The, the son um, is calling his dad Lord, but not the other way round, as it is in this occasion. The Lord's adversaries were confronted with Christ's deity on this occasion, and they knew they had been snared. They knew they had been trapped. That's why no man dares to ask him another question, because it put them to shame in their knowledge of the Scriptures and their understanding and application of them. And so the plan was defeated in verse 46, and no man was able to do that. The Lord put a plug. He plugged their mouth, as it were. He stopped them. And they despised and hated him for it. They rejected Jesus as David's son and as God's son. And they will become his footstool in time to come, just as all religious people today who deny his deity and hate and change his word to fit their humanistic ideas, hate and reject the claims of Christ and his word to their own and utter destruction. Because if they do not believe that Jesus is God, how can he save us? How can his blood be innocent? How can his blood be shed for our sins if he's not the Son of God, the eternal Son of God? It's very important that we believe on the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tim, would you like to put up that there? Overhead thing, please. We we'll just go through a little bit on the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've moved through that, and <clears throat> just thinking about the. I, I hope it works. I sort of set it up. <clears throat> you know, how many gods are there? One. Good. <laughs> just, not trick questions. <laughs> I'm just human. <laughs> human. <laughs> Um, yeah just to stick yeah put that one up yeah number one hey yeah that's it you might stay there thanks (laughs) now you're there Um, there's all these different ideas Uh, there's more down there than I've got up here what's the first one atheism Atheism. what do they say There there is no God what's the next one I can't see it from here And Gnosticism, they say? Don't know. Is that what they say? (laughs) What's the next one? Pantheism, Pantheism. that's what? Everything's God. Worship the trees. Hey, who fits into that one? Greenies? (laughs) What's the next one? Polytheism, what do they say? Many gods. See, all denying the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the next one? Dualism and, and a dual if you've got dual wheels you've got Jesus. two two gods um, one's good and one's evil and they divided everything into that what's the next one deism, deism. deism. and they say say so wound up the clock and let it run mm-hmm. and they're going to run out one day we looked at that this morning and fold them up and the last one deism. 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 theism deism. <laughs> I thought you said deism. <laughs> Theism. There is only one God. There is only how many? One God. So let's put up this one God and let's read some of the scriptures that are going to be put up. Thanks. The, next, the one here. And it's Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse, verse 34. We must believe there is only one God. And Deuteronomy 4.35 says, unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. There is none else beside Him. Deuteronomy six four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. And in Isaiah forty four six or is it eight? A fine print here. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of Hosts. I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. This is the Old Testament telling us, Isaiah forty five verse five and twenty one I believe I am the Lord, and there is none else; there is no God beside me. I gird thee though thou knowest not me. Tell ye and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together, who have declared this from ancient times, who hath told it from the time from that time, have not I the Lord, and there is I, I, the Lord, and there is no God beside me. A just God and a Saviour, there is none beside me. There is none, none, one God. And uh, there in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 4. As according, therefore, the eating of these things. This is not the one I've chopped one out here. There is no God but one, it says. And in Timothy 2.5, if that's the reference, it's there. Next, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Thou believest there is one God, thou dost well. The devils also believe and tremble. So there is one God. So we say there is, and people tell, well, people accuse us of saying what? There is, you say there is three gods, don't you? <laughs> that's what they accuse us of. <clears throat> And so what would you say if someone asked you the question, do you believe that God, the Father is God? What would you say? Yes. Yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? What would you say? Yes. Yes. Do you believe the Holy Spirit is God? What would you say? Yes. Yes. And then they would say, well, you've just admitted you believe in three gods, haven't you? You see how they try to snare you and the JWs might do this to you. (laughs) The response of Christians throughout the centuries to this question that's asked is a statement of the doctrine of the Trinity. And what, what does the word Trinity mean? Well, it comes from a Latin word Trinitus, which means threeness. And do we find the word Trinity in the Bible? No, we don't. And the it's you won't find it. Look from back to cover to cover. You won't see it there. I mean, you won't find the word Trinity. (laughs) Then how can we say the doctrine of the Trinity is a biblical doctrine when the word itself is not found in the Bible? You see, other people put these arguments up too. Someone was talking about a word this morning. I don't know who it was after the service it's not used in the Bible, but we we do use it in our preaching. Now, even though the word Trinity is not found in the Scriptures, the concept is there everywhere. (laughs) And we'll look at it in a moment. The concept is that, Although God is one in essence and being, as, we've, uh, as we see in the scripture, there are nevertheless three persons within the Godhead. And uh, <clears throat> some theologians use words other than person to describe the Godhead because they think that the use of the word person might, might imply that there are three distinct gods instead of one God. And since we've already clearly shown the Bible teaches there is one God, in the references before I hope you took them down and you can go back and read them for our purpose we'll use the word person and some have objected to Trinity to to describe the doctrine because we've as we pointed out the word means threeness but says nothing about oneness as it were for this reason some have started or do use the word tri-unity tri-three-unity God (laughs) to point out there is threeness and oneness and there's not a there's not a problem with that. Um, <clears throat> let's move to Old Testament indications of the Trinity. and turn to and we, this is one of the words we used before in Deuteronomy chapter six and verse four. And this is what the Lord was doing to these people, these Pharisees on that day, these religionists, trying to sh- show them and make them see that He was God, because they believed in one God, and they could say, "How could you be God?" <laughs> because we believed in, believe in one God. Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, what does it say there in the midst of that? The Lord our God is one Lord. One God, you can say. Ep-hard. hard That's awkward. It's, it ends like A-W-D at the end of it. Now, the word one there. It's been pointed out that In this very verse, we find one of the strongest statements for the unity of God. The word for one is Ekhad, which we said, which means not one in isolation, but one in unity. And we use that sort of term at times. Um, It's not just a single entity. And here in the Old Testament, it's used for one bunch of grapes. Israel is one people. You see, there's many but one. And this is the very word that's used to describe one Lord in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. One in reference to God still allows for the plurality of persons within the Godhead. And God speaks to himself in other occasions. Genesis 1.26. I don't know if that reference is up there. And God said, let us. Make man in our image. Let us, let God make in our image. Let us do that. And in Genesis 11 verse 7, he said, and the Lord said, Let us, who? Us. These Jewish people, these Pharisees, these religionists, these so-called scriptural students of the word should have been able to distinguish that we can see it in English, how much more should they have been able to see it and understand it there in their Bible at that time? God said, let us go down and confound their languages. And in Isaiah 6, verse 8, it reads, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for? Us, the Trinity. (laughs) God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Then he said, here am I, send me. Isaiah said that. Now, the, that's some Old Testament references, and now the New Testament even gets more pointed as we go into the New Testament. Here in the New Testament that we have for us today, and they didn't have it in that day, the, all the persons of the Trinity are called God. Romans chapter 1 and verse 7. The Father is God. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ tying them together but God our Father, the Father is called God. Hebrews 1 verse 8. and, and this this is something he used for the JWs to show them to, to show them that they're still on their way to eternal condemnation and hell if they do not change and their, their belief and anyone that doesn't believe in the Son, the son of God the Lord Jesus is eternal God the Son of God. Hebrews 1.8 But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And also in reference to the Spirit in Acts chapter 5 and verse 3 and 4. He is called God in the New Testament. Peter answered Ananias, Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? While it was... While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own, in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. You've lied to the Holy Spirit, he said in one verse. Then later, in the, next, the end of those verses, you've lied to God. And, and that's definitely saying that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each one are God. All three persons of the Trinity cooperate and work together together in these different areas that you've got here. And if you want the reference, I can give them to you later. But in creation, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when you go to John 1, 3, all things were made by him. And who is it talking about? The Lord Jesus. All things were made by God. The Lord Jesus made all things. And in Job 33, 4, the Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. So the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit the Trinity triunity let's say the triunity Uh, involved in creation in incarnation Uh, Luke one thirty-five, just one verse and the angel answered and said unto her the Holy Ghost the Spirit of God shall come upon thee and the power of the highest God the Father shall overshadow thee therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called thee Son of God one verse where the three persons of the Trinity are mentioned. You can go to Christ's baptism and the voice from heaven <laughs> and Jesus was there to be baptized and he, when he came up out of the water the heavens were opened to him and the spirit of God descended upon him like a dove and lightning and the beloved and the father said this is my beloved son, father, son and Holy Spirit in the atonement Hebrews 9.14 In Christ's resurrection the Father, the Son and the Spirit are involved are talked of as been part of that. In salvation 1 Peter 1, 1.2 reads Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ the Trinity. The Great Commission Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you confess that Jesus is God? Do you believe in his deity? Not that he was a created being, he never was created. He's the eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He eternally has existed. And if you do believe that, and if you confess him as Lord and Savior, you are saved. But if you don't confess that, as 1 John tells us, you're not a Christian. It's very important that this be so in your life. And in Ephesians 2.18 in prayer, For through him, Christ, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. The three, threeness. The triunity unity of God. Thanks, Tim. And <clears throat> that's a lesson done in a few minutes. <laughs> that uh, just to sort of at the end of what the Lord argued with these Pharisees to to show you as they didn't have a lot of the verses we've quoted tonight. They had the Old Testament. They had enough. And and try to remember those us verses. (laughs) Let us make man in our image. Let us go down. Who was God talking about in the scriptures when he said that? And use those verses. If you can mark or memorise them, I've, I've written them down in one spot where I can go to them quickly. Best place to write them is in John's Gospel, First John, where it's talking about the deity. <clears throat> um, I pray that all of us here believe that tonight and we confess him as the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for the wonderful words of Scripture, tying from cover to cover, that paint the picture of the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. And you, and we know that if we don't believe that you're the eternal God, Lord Jesus, we we are in trouble. We are lost. And Lord, for those people around us that are confused and tangled up in these isms and cults, and that do not confess that Jesus is the eternal Son of God, they only had a human dying for them, not the Lord's precious, spotless blood was not shed for them they don't believe lord help us to give an answer to these people and be ready for it because they are multiplying and even in mainline churches these people are growing in number they're there to put on a show they're there to appease their conscience but they don't believe on the lord jesus as they should and confess him as lord May they, through our testimony, through our opportunities, share with them that they may see the light. Bless us, we part now and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.